Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about the journey of a dentist, starting from going to dental school to doing their first associateship to deciding on how to open a practice, some of the stra- struggles they have to go through, uh, balancing life with work, and all of that good stuff. And to talk further on the subject matter, we have Dr. Trisha Patel. Welcome, Dr. Patel. How are you today? Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great today. Good. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys and kind of seeing where this goes. Great. Great. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we have Lynn. Hi. I'm back. You missed me, I'm sure. I know I did, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of our listeners did as well. So, Trisha, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your practice and uh, what you do right now and how you started off. Yeah. So just a little bit about me. Currently, I have my own dental office that we started from the ground up. And we were, I think we're about a year and four months about. And so now that we've been a year in, kind of get a good idea of kind of how I was able to do for that first year and kind of just hopefully grow from that. But um, before that, I worked for you know some DSOs and kind of got some basic training from from dental school. So I graduated from the University of Michigan a few years back. And then as soon as I graduated, I didn't want to go into a residency. I felt pretty confident with my my hand skills and was ready to kind of just start working. And I was able to kind of start working for some DSOs and, and kind of understanding, you know, the transition between dental school and and real life essentially and seeing patients and and doing things a little bit quicker because they definitely slow things down for you in dental school. <laughs> and um, I learned pretty quick that um, I was a pretty good clinician and I was able to communicate well with my patients. And uh, even before I went to dental school, I knew that at some point I always wanted to have my own practice. I didn't know if I was going to start my own from the ground up or just buy an existing. That was a completely different journey of figuring out which way I wanted to go. But in the end, I just felt like it was going to be rewarding for me to just do it from the ground up, design it and and make it truly how I wanted to be and look. Right. And so own, it just yeah. made sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's true. And then, you know, you said right after dental school, you worked for a DSO. That, was that intentional or did that just fall in your lap? Kind of a little bit of both. You know, there, there was a lot of guidance into helping you find you know, work after you graduate and stuff, but it's really hard to approach like private practices. I mean, you're just kind of cold calling a lot of them and seeing if they um, have room to take on another associate. But I kind of felt like I wanted to be in a really fast paced environment. And I, I felt like the DSO environment allowed for that. I was ready to just kind of hit the ground running 
And I knew that that about myself to be able to kind of make that decision. And I thought it was really nice because the DSO I ended up working with was really allowing me to get a little bit of everything, basic bread and butter. But I was already starting to do some more, a little bit more intricate stuff than you would typically start doing right out of dental school on molar endo and things like that. And so it was nice to kind of you know, get a glimpse as to where my hand skills are and how comfortable I feel. And right away, I kind of knew that, you know, I made the right decision not going into residency because I felt like I learned a lot from that environment, communicating with patients and even even some little things on the back end, the business side. Um, but there's definitely a lot to learn on the business side. I don't think we get trained and educated as much on the business aspect of running an office oh, as we do with our hand skills in the clinical side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I had the advantage of having a business degree because dentistry is actually my second career path. I actually studied business and worked for an insurance company after I graduated from undergrad before I went back to school to pursue dentistry. So I do feel like having that background helps, but I, if there's any dentists listening out there who don't have that background, by all means, that doesn't mean that I have a leg up drastically. I mean, it's nice because I can keep up with some of the terminology and stuff, but I don't think, you know, you ever think you're ready for, you know, dental business. I mean, there's so much I'm learning just by being in the middle of it because I, I took a lot of CE courses talked to a lot of individuals that were already running their own practices. And even with all of that knowledge, there's still so much I wasn't prepared for that I'm like pivoting every chance an issue comes up to kind of resolve. There's definitely a challenge, but there's also, you know, higher risk, higher reward, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my mentality and, and how I approached and why I kind of decided, you know, I think for me long term, I would love to have my own practice, not continue to work at a DSO or even a private office. It does sound like you had a pretty good experience at the DSO, though, learned a lot. And and you said you got some experience with kind of the business aspect of it as well, at least a, a tiny bit, because some DSOs you do and some it's just purely cl clinical work. And so that's good if you had both opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I had the opportunity because I would go out of my way to ask a lot of questions. Okay. You know, the nice thing about the DSO situation and, and the way that's set up is, you know, you don't have to worry about the business side at all. You, you come in, clock in, you see your patients and you clock out and you don't take work home versus now that I have my own office, there's all these little things on the back end that you don't really ever understand, like the whole insurance side of things and keeping up with submissions and, and making sure that the claims are processed and the payments that are coming in are being processed. And there's like that whole aspect of it that I never, that's the part of the dental aspect of business that I never got either from school and training or from my DSO experience. I literally was in the trenches getting these EOBs and trying to understand, okay, how do I process this? Right. And um, fortunately, there's a lot of help from the software companies to help you track through that. And then, you know, there's so many different consultants and so many different people you can hire on to help. And I did a little bit of that too, to kind of just catch up and bring myself up to speed. But, you know, it's a little scary. I'm not going to lie, not knowing if you're doing this right or not and, and getting the right help to help you overcome those kinds of challenges. It is because it's an expensive business to start. I mean, if, if you go out and get a 
and, and become a medical doctor, it, it, you don't have to buy all this equipment. It's not very expensive to go work for a hospital or open a practice and buy an x-ray machine. But dentists have to buy so much equipment and equip the offices in such a way. It's very expensive. So it is a scary thing because you can't really be prepared until you jump into it and to get the trusted advisors around you so that you can have the best leg up and make make it profitable as quickly as possible is about the most security you can have. I mean, dentists don't fail by and large, but it's still a scary venture. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's crazy. I've talked to so many different people. I mean, from the big supplier companies like Patterson and Henry Schein and Bengo and the reps there. And then on the other end, lawyers, accountants, training individuals from like CE courses. And like in the beginning, I just feel like it was really hard to find somebody who's going to just be straight with you and let you know exactly what kind of challenges you're going to face. Because, you know, no one wants to, to scare you from stopping to pursue it. But you know, when you take a step back, you really want to make sure you have the full picture of what you're about to get into. Because like you said, it is a big financial commitment. And there's a lot of upfront, huge upfront costs in that goes into starting, whether it's a startup from the ground up, or even just a transition business, because I highly considered buying an existing practice. Uh, The upside of doing that is you already have money coming into the business, you're not building the patient population, it's already there. But then the challenge with that is, you know, maintaining that, you know, because you don't know if the patients there are going to like you compared to the dentist they're used to. And then you don't know if your staff is going to enjoy working with you compared to what they were used to. Um, Versus, you know, the startup, you don't have that cash flow already existing, but you get to build it and structure it the way you want. So there's pros and cons to both. And ultimately, and then for me, it just made sense to kind of do it from the ground up. But it doesn't come without its own stresses, right? Right. Of course. And it was specifically more stressful for you because you actually started your practice during COVID. COVID and with very young children. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I did. Yeah, um, I did not make it easy on myself. But I know in the end, just you know, being one year in and, and getting a picture of things that things, you know, are going to on the up and up and things are looking good. But there was definitely some days where I was really stressed and wondering, I was like, man, did I make the right choice? <laughs> so I'm guessing you're still not in that stance anymore. No, I mean, there's there's always going to be days as a business owner that you, you go home and, and you take some of the work at home. It's just hard to not do that because I'm so passionate about what I do. And I'm sure if you talk to any of the girls in my office from the front desk to the assistants, you know, it, for me, like I genuinely care about my patients and want to make sure they have the best experience possible just because we as dentists already have such a reputation with our patients like (laughs) most people don't enjoy coming to see us compared to like going to get a massage or at a massage parlor or something you know what I mean yep and so trying to change that for people that's definitely been kind of one of my motivations knowing that what you know when I have my own office I want to try to tackle this this notion that dental office is a really scary place to visit and so I you know I think we've been able to do that and just hearing the feedback I get from my patients it's rewarding it's worth taking on all that risk and putting myself out there and taking that challenge on in the end, you know, I can see that what I'm doing makes a difference to my patients 
And, you know, that's, that's kind of, I, I truly enjoy what I do. And then being able to see that kind of reaction from everyone I'm helping, it's, it's rewarding. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then if I recall correctly, I remember you once telling me that, you know, when you used to work for a DSO, there are a few things you saw there that you've always wondered, hey, could it be done differently? I mean, I see a lot of these people working here so hard and I'm not too sure how much they're getting paid. I don't know if they feel fulfilled at their job. And if I were to ever open up a practice, I would do things differently. And I'm, I believe you've implemented some of those thoughts you've had previously. And how did that turn out? Yeah, one of the things that stood out to me and I knew I wanted to change when I was able to kind of create my own office was, you know, DSOs are so big that I do feel like at some point, once you get to a certain level of being big, you just lose some of that culture of just taking care of your team. And, you know, I just saw some of that and, and it just seemed like it was getting worse as the years went on. And, you know, I'd have like heart to heart conversations with some of the staff, the assistants and the front desk that I was working with. And, you know, I just kind of felt for them, you know, like they were promised things and then they'd go out and work, work their hardest to achieve these goals and things that they had set up for them and they'd reach them. But yet they weren't seeing the financial rewards that they were promised. And so I always told myself, I don't, you know, it, it, it's that tough part being an owner, right? Because on one hand, you want to be the dentist that doesn't think and have money on their mind and you truly want to do what's best for everyone that's helping you achieve that amazing customer service experience for your patients and then take care of your patients and do what's best for them and not think about the cost. But when the business side of it gets into effect, all of a sudden there's these outside pressures that might affect what you end up doing, whether it's how you treat your staff. And it just seemed like there was a lot of promises made that they weren't holding up on their end. And I just told myself I would never do that because I know just by working, even in the DSOs, I couldn't be as efficient and and great for my patients. I didn't have that help, the assistants and the front desk. It truly is a team effort. And if you're not taking care of your team, well, why, why would you expect them to take care of you? You know? Mm-hmm. So there's a, delicate balance there that, you know, everybody has to try to find and, and make sure that they, they're able to kind of execute. And it's a constant challenge, you know, you want to make sure everyone's taken care of and everyone's happy and you build this culture that everyone can kind of be happy about, essentially, you know? I see. And then let's talk a little bit about your personal challenges. Being a mother, you know, some beautiful children as well as, you know, being a dentist. What was that like, maintaining that balance? Oh, man, that that's still an ongoing <laughs> challenge, I feel like. So I have two little ones. I have a daughter who's about two and a half. She'll be three in April. And then I have a son who was born about actually four months today. Yeah, he's four months old today. And so they're very young. And, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, being a business owner, you get so wrapped up in trying to make sure that everything's running smoothly there. And then when you're at home, you want to try to spend as much time with your kids because they're so young. Um, and trying to find that balance, it, it's definitely challenging, but I'm fortunate to have a very supportive husband and family that make things a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you want to take that time off and 
spend the whole day with them and enjoy these younger times, like when they're still young, it's always, I feel like it's always going to be this balancing act, trying to make sure that you, you have that work-life balance that everybody's always trying to make sure they have. Right, right. And you hit the nail on with, with the word support. I think that's the key factor there, that you need an immense amount of support from your family members, including your spouse. And if I'm not mistaken correctly, it's not just your spouse. I mean, even your parents, like extended family members that do their part however they can to make sure that balance is maintained. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm very fortunate because I know there's probably folks out there that don't have that kind of family dynamic. But I'm very blessed to have a very supportive husband and parents and in-laws that are able to kind of help us when we need it. So there's definitely a blessing there for sure. So Dr. Patel, if you were talking to a dentist just starting out, thinking about opening their own practices, practice, what would you advise them? What What's the thing that you wish you had known before you started out on your journey? You know, when I first started out, I think I was kind of going through some analysis paralysis. From a financial standpoint, I think most people need to figure out, are you one willing to take on a loss of income in the beginning to establish your own office? Or do you need a source of cash flow from the beginning? From a financial standpoint, you need to figure out what what are you willing to accept and not accept? And then that can help you at least decide, okay, I'm willing to take, forego some income up front to be able to do a startup or no, my situation isn't such that that's going to be good for me. I think I need to transition to an existing office. That question alone for yourself, just figuring out what works best for you will kind of help you decide which way you might want to go. But then after that is, you know, making sure you do have a good CPA who can look at the numbers for existing practices to find you something that is going to allow you to flourish. And then on the other side, if you're deciding to go, you know, buying something or building something from the ground up, making sure you're you're doing some some legwork because there's a lot that goes into doing a startup, finding the location. Um, and negotiating the location lease terms. And there's companies out there that can help you with that. Finding out where you can get supplies and get the best deal for that and figuring out your loan situation with either option. So there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of C courses that kind of help you start understanding a lot of that. And I'm thankful for that because had I not done that, I just tried to do this without any guidance from anything. It, it's challenging. You have to at least look into that preliminary work of, okay, how do I get a loan and qualify for it? Or how much can I get approved for? And then determining which way you want to go, um, doing a startup or buying an existing trans, you know, transition office and then taking it step by step like that. Just very um, practical advice. That is very, very foundational, especially just the, just the aspect of the very first step of can I afford to start with very little income, knowing that I'm going to grow an asset, or do I need the cash flow immediately? Because those those are going to decide a lot. The answer to that question decides a lot of the route that you take next. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I don't think most people, unless you're a dentist, realize how much debt you get yourself into. Loans from undergrad to dental school, and then another loan for starting the business. That can definitely pile on. So if you don't have that under control and then 
all of a sudden things blow up, but you're setting yourself back quite a bit. So it's understanding your situation and what makes sense for you is the first step in figuring out which way you want to go. You have to understand your your financial situation, where you're at, and what you're willing to take on. Right. A lot of dentists that decide to start their own practice from the ground up want to kind of transition in by being an associate at their like their current place or, or some other place while they're growing their practice at the very beginning. Is that something you did, and how would you advise someone whether that's a good or a bad idea? So well, I never did that. And in hindsight, I kind of wish I did. Okay. And I always say that because the stress of, you know, at that point, my husband's supporting both me and, and both of us, essentially. And before we had two sources of income. Right. And if I were to be able to work somewhere else to sustain at least half of that while I'm transitioning to the other, I wish I had done that. And honestly, when you talk to a lot of even like banks that you know, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, these are two big banks that, you know, do a lot of dental loans. And, you know, there's a lot of support there too. I mean, they help a lot of dentists either transition transition into an existing office or do a startup. So they, ha- they have a wealth of knowledge. And one of the things that one of the loan officers did mention was, and some of them require it, they'll want to know that you have a source of income coming in and that you're not just going cold turkey. My circumstances and situations are slightly different, but I didn't do that and I was able to not do that. But in hindsight, that actually is probably something I wish I had done. It, the stress is again on the back end of making sure that you're able to balance your your finances at home and then also making sure that your practice and office is also efficient. It just there's a lot of stress there. But for me, I didn't go that route because I my mentality was I'm going all in. And so I was open Monday through Friday, really trying to push for getting a lot of patients in the office. And I, that that was just my approach. And but there in is hindsight, value in that as well. And it, it could have helped to uh, jumpstart your practice in a, in a faster manner. It's hard to know. Both have their ups and their, their downs, basically. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much you can do. And then marketing is another whole aspect of this that I feel like a lot of people don't ever talk about. But and there's so many different dynamics to that. But I mean, gone are the days where you can just put up a sign and people are going to walk in the door. You really have to do some kind of marketing now to just get, you know, traffic in the door. So true. Yeah, very true. We're nearing to the end of our episode. We could talk to her a lot longer. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe we'll have her on for another episode. Yeah, no, thanks guys for bringing me on. I, I enjoyed talking to you guys. And I'd love to be back on to talk some more if, if need be. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure and a joy having you on, Dr. Patel. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks guys. It was great talking to you. Sure. And for our listeners out there, if you guys have any questions or inquiries to make, please feel free to reach us at info at com. It was a pleasure. I hope to have you guys listen to us soon. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond by Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.